Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. There is so much noise on the interweb these days about what women should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to their fitness and health. Not only is it all too often tied to shame and fixing our bodies, it can also be incredibly detrimental to our health and wellness overall. The Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast sorts through the BS and offers advice and actionable tactile steps to support and build a better relationship to your amazing body through every stage of womanhood. It aims to break the cycle of keeping women in the dark about their extraordinary machines and revolutionize the way we move, eat, and live so that our daughters and our daughters' daughters look in the mirror and feel exactly what they are. Fierce, beautiful, and capable of everything. The revolution starts here. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. I am so thrilled you are here, and I'm going to tell it right off the bat, we're trying something a little bit different today because your girl is recording from out of town and I don't have my sweet gear, so apologies in advance if the sound gets a little funky chicken, but stay with me because this episode is a a total banger and I promise you it is going to change the way you exercise forever. So I had a woman reach out on Facebook recently with an exceptional shared experience that was really worth sharing because I think probably a lot of folks feel the exact same way. P.S. just for the record I love when you guys reach out with questions, comments, experiences. I truly believe that the best and fastest way we can learn and implement changes in our lives is through sharing our experiences, listening to others, and learning from and with each other. So thank you to all of you who take the time to share your experiences and ask questions. This is how we can all get better, stronger as the collective. So in her comment, this woman shared, One of the hardest things for me is figuring out proper form without a personal trainer, especially when doing free weights. Boy, oh boy, do I love everything about this. First and foremost, the fact that she's thinking about form is music to my ears. Eyes. You get it. The point is, this is the best news. When I first started coaching nigh on 10 years ago, thinking about form was something only coaches did, and that may not have even been a guarantee. Because remember, exercise in its form as we know it today is still relatively new. So the fact that folks who are moving and grooving their own bodies without a certification are thinking about form, this is serious project, process, bleh, bleh, progress, process, progress, progress in my mind. And it's going to make a huge difference down the line for so many people when it comes to sticking with their health goals. Because the truth is simple. Good form means that we're not only moving our bodies effectively, it means we're going to be able to do so for the rest of our lives for as long as we want to keep moving. So game changer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your bravery and sharing your comment and for inspiring today's episode on, drum roll please, form. And in the form of this podcast, we'll be breaking it down into three different parts. The first, how to work on your form when you're not with a trainer. The second, the five kinetic chain checkpoints, who is ready to geek out because this kid is. 
And finally, our last little section will be on some basic things to look for in some of your most common movement patterns. So think things like squat, push-up, deadlift, etc. But before we dive into my go-to way to assess your own form, I want to say, she mentioned free weights. Body weight is an incredible place to live until you are feeling comfortable, confident, and injury-free in your form. I know it doesn't always feel as sexy as the kettlebell combos we see swinging around the interwebs, but it sure as heck is a great way to get a leg up on nailing your form. So when you do get crazy with the bells, you are safe and efficient and like I said, doing it until you don't want to do it anymore. And the reason is, body weight strips away all the extra distraction of having to focus on added weight. So think about the last time you lifted a heavy weight, if you ever have. How much of your attention was on how heavy the weight was, or how soon you could be done, or the grip, maybe you were getting tired, your hands were tired. My point here is, how much of the time you were working out were you thinking of anything other than your form? Body weight allows you to zone in on the brain-body connection by focusing on which muscles should be firing, whether you're feeling it anywhere you shouldn't be feeling, and slowing down. During the pandemic, you guys remember that thing? I taught daily bodyweight classes for 18 months straight. Not only did my students and I continue to get banging workouts that were very different every day, bodyweight is incredibly versatile. My personal form at the end of the pandemic when I got back around weights was the best it has ever been. I do this fitness thing for a living and I cannot tell you how shocked I was by what a difference it made to have spent so much time in that brain-body connection. For the first time in my life after the pandemic, I felt confident with barbells and CrossFit because my brain-body connection was so strong. So when I was doing these new power lifts, I could feel the second something was out of alignment and I had the control to make micro adjustments in real time. It changed the way after eight years of being a fitness professional, I did my own fitness practice. Okay, okay, I love body weight. You all know it, okay? There it is, that's my big secret. I love me some body weight. So. Let's dive in. How the heck are you supposed to work on form without a trainer? And I will say, working with a trainer, a professional in the fitness industry, is just plain and simple the gold standard. Even if you just hire them for a few sessions to have someone help guide you through the adjustments and help you understand where the improper movement pattern originates from. For example, is it your tight hip flexors pulling you into an anterior pelvic tilt that's hurting your lower back during your overhead presses? Or is your left calf tighter than your right and pulling your knee out of alignment causing pain during your squats and lunges. Maybe you have tight pecs and levator scapulae that need to be stretched with a focus on strengthening through your back. You see where there are needs for certificates for this kind of stuff? That's why a good personal trainer will be a certified personal trainer. And usually not just with, I mean, they'll definitely have a personal training certification and we are required to continue education. So they'll have specialties as they go. There's corrective exercise, there's working with different demographics like um, pre and postnatal, menopause, uh, strength training, kettlebell. So finding a certified coach is a pretty good way to start knowing that you're in good hands. And also you are totally allowed to ask for your trainer's qualifications and certifications. They should be very upfront with you, and that's a very important thing when you are shopping around for your trainers. All right, I digress. 
The point is, trainers will make a big difference and save you a ton of time and guesswork. But that being said, I completely understand and respect that having a personal trainer is not in everyone's budget, which is exactly why I was inspired to create the Strength Foundation for Women Online Coaching Program. It is a fraction of the cost of personal training and includes weekly small group sessions where you get to go over basic movement patterns like those squats, planks, deadlifts in your own body with me to receive this exact kind of coaching all while working a fitness program that builds the foundation up. So after three months together, not only will you be confident with your form and moving through the gym, but you'll also have started to build your very own brain-body connection to bring awareness and adjust your form in real time. Our next session opens at the end of February. I am so excited. Spaces will be limited because I want to make sure everyone gets the coaching they're looking for. So if this is something that you're interested in, woohoo, or you're just interested in learning more about, make sure to hop on the interest list. And I'll pop the link in the bio. You guys will get first access, some exclusive bonuses, and some fun along the way. But for today, my goal with this pod is to leave you with some very actionable steps to walk away with to start adjusting and nailing your form during your very next workout, AKA ASAP. Starting off with how, how do I know if my form is off, if I'm new to exercise, newly back, or just not a certified professional? Working out in front of a mirror can be super helpful. And that used to be back in the day, what I would tell people to do is work out in front of the mirror, watch your form and keep an eye on things. But it only goes so far. And now we have the technology to do a little bit better. The biggest issue with watching yourself in the mirror alone is that you can only watch yourself from the front without pulling your neck out of alignment. And if you're doing something like rows or push-ups, which has your head facing a direction other than directly at the mirror, guess what? Looking at the mirror is going to pull your neck out of alignment no matter which way you slice it. So my go-to way in the day and age of technology that fits into our pocket is to self-assess form by filming ourselves. And I know, a lot of people think this is absolute cringe and or it's just really hard for them to see videos of themselves. And I wanna put a pin in the cringe and take a second to address feeling uncomfortable looking at yourself in a video. I totally understand this. My head is still my own worst enemy a lot of the time and even though it's been decades since I was in my eating disorder, I still definitely have body dysmorphic thoughts pop up when I'm looking at videos, especially around certain times of my period. But one thing I will say is that this can actually be a really good opportunity to start practicing compassion and becoming aware of how we're talking to ourselves and to start practicing saying kind things to ourselves and to get used to looking at ourselves. It is amazing the way our relationship to our body can change when we get comfortable doing really simple things like being comfortable saying nice things to ourselves, being comfortable say looking at ourselves in the mirror with our clothes off, or being comfortable putting our hands on our body. It used to be really hard for me to put my hands over my abdomen and belly area, and now I do it the second I feel stressed. My hands go right on my belly, and I just say something loving to myself, and it took me a long time, but the change is palpable. It also reminds me of when I heard myself on camera for the first time way back in the actoring days. We'll probably talk about that in another session, but for now, the point is, is that I could not believe the sound of my voice. It was the first time I had ever heard it played back to me. Ah, it was, talk about cringe, but 
I pushed through the discomfort because I had a goal and that was part of it, was hearing my voice. And after pushing through and a lot of rewriting nasty self-talk into just acceptance, I got to the other side. Yes, it absolutely took some time to get used to. It was not just, bing, I'm changed. But now I have a podcast, y'all, and I don't even think about it. So change is possible. I do think filming yourself can be a really loving way to start building a gentle connection with yourself. The other great thing to remember is that this, what we're filming, is just for you. You don't have to post it. You totally can. And heck yeah to you if you want to flaunt it. Tag me at kinsey.does.the.fitness. But at its base, this is an opportunity for you to learn how to move better so your goal to health is paved with healthy movement patterns. So let's talk logistics of this whole filming business. The first is that you can absolutely do this from home. If you want to set up a tripod, tripod at the gym or shoot at the gym, go for it. Just be mindful and respectful of the other people around you. I think shooting at the gym is getting more normalized, but I still like to do a double take when I'm setting up my camera at the gym just to make sure that I frame out anyone in the background as best I can, even if I'm not gonna post it. It's just sort of for the sake of my fellow gym goers. When you're setting up your frame, you want it set so that you can see your entire body. We'll get to this more in a second, but your whole body is connected. Something off at the ankle could affect something at the neck and the shoulder. This is part of a larger fancy thing called the regional interdependence or RI model, which we will chat about more when we nerd out in a second about the five kinetic chain checkpoints. But the point for now is make sure whether you're standing, hinging, planking, whatevs, that your whole body yaddy yaddy is in frame. It is also, just for the sake of framing, if it's easier, totally okay to stand pretty far back from the camera because remember, you can always zoom in. What a time to be alive. There are going to be two angles we shoot everything from, sometimes a third, totally up to you. Uh, facing the camera is going to be the first one, so front on, and then profile, so from the side. Sometimes from behind, I like to do this on things like lat pulldowns, pull-ups, and squats, but don't worry, if two angles already feels like total overkill, you will get most of the info you need from the front and the side. Filming is the second best option, in my opinion, because second best to trainers, remember that one? Because you can fully concentrate on performing your movement to the best of your ability without having to look at the mirror, and then you can play back the tape. Even better, you can pause it, you can rewind it, you can zoom in kinetic chain checkpoint by kinetic chain checkpoint, which brings me to kinetic chain checkpoints. Oh yeah, oh, but before I get there, because I got really excited, in terms of how many reps you should shoot, I would say shoot your regular amount of reps. So eight to 10 is usually a pretty good indication. Sometimes our first couple reps, our form is fantastic, but when we start to get tired, it starts to slip. So giving yourself eight to 10, 12 reps is a pretty good standard from front and from side. All right, oh, we back. Kinetic chain checkpoints, there are five of them and I, Spoiled this moments before, but they are all connected, just like us. The National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is where my certification program is from, says this about the regional interdependence model. The RI model has an objective of identifying unrelated impairments in remote anatomical regions that may contribute to the primary source of pain or movement dysfunction. 
then they source, which I can't pronounce the last names. For example, an observation or an observed movement impairment at the knee could be influenced by factors such as mobility limitations at the hip joint above or below at the foot and ankle, aka every part of our body is connected, which is why proper form is a non-negotiable. So if you're new to fitness or newly back, thank goodness you're hearing this now. If you've been doing it for a long time and never considered form, it's never too late. So back to the five kinetic chain checkpoints. These are gonna be the roadmap we follow when we go back and watch our videos. Starting at the first kinetic chain checkpoint, the foot and ankle. Then we move up to the second one, which is our knee. Then we slide on up to the third, which is the lumbo-pelvic hip complex, aka the hips. The next one is fourth up to our shoulders. And the last one is gonna finally be our head and neck. So once you film your video, run these checkpoints one at a time, starting at the foot and ankle, working all the way up to the head and neck. And I promise it takes less time than you think. So let's talk a little bit about what to look for in some of our most common movement patterns. Starting out, let's run what proper checkpoints will look like for static posture, AKA when we're standing still. And if you just had a big record scratch moment being like, we were gonna talk about exercise. Why are you talking about standing still? Exercise is a hugely important part of our health. Obviously, I love it. I chose to spend my life thinking about it, talking about it, and helping you think and talk about it. But the other 23 plus hours of the day, we are not exercising, aka how we hold ourselves in the world, aka our posture, has a huge effect on our overall movement health. And it is the best place to focus attention when it comes to fixing muscle imbalances. You could do the most in the gym, but if you walk out of that gym and stand with incorrect posture, you're reinforcing improper movement patterns, you're fighting an uphill battle, and you're just throwing away all the work in the gym. So we always start here, static posture. What does neutral static posture look like? If I were looking at you from straight on, feet would be straight forward like they're on a pair of skis. So if you were to start turning your toes out, those skis would crisscross applesauce and we'd fall over. So feet straight forward. Next up, knees are in line with the second and third toe. Above that, hips are above knees in a neutral position, so we're not swaying through the back or to one side. Shoulders are going to be stacked on top of the hips, and head is going to be stacked with the ears in line with the shoulders. So let's chat now about some common exercise patterns. I always talk about the eight foundational movement patterns. We're going to go over a couple of those today. So these are movements that we do in our workouts every single week. And a lot of times we take them for granted because they're done so often. But the truth is the ones that I've chosen to talk about for this podcast specifically, I've chosen because over the 10 plus years I've been training and especially in group fitness and just living in gyms when I would spend 10 to 15 hours in a gym every single day, these are the movements that I'm not exaggerating when I say 75 to 85% of people do these incorrectly. Because again, if exercises are a skill and we were never taught the correct form and then how to practice them and constantly check in, of course we don't know any better. But we're gonna change that now. So starting with squats. Some of the most common issues that I see are heels lifting at the bottom of the squat. So pressing into the toes, that's gonna really hurt the knee joint. So every time you're at the bottom of the squat, make sure that heel is down, pressing so like I said, pressing off the floor with the toes. Another big one is where the feet start to turn out and the knees are coming out of alignment with the feet. So there are some squat variations where the toes will start to turn out, but remember how we said on that static 
posture, the knees are in line with the second and third toe. If your toes are super turned out, but your knees are facing forward, you're gonna put a ton of compression on that kneecap. And that is going to have pretty killer effect down the road with knee injuries, ACL tears, all that yucky stuff. Uh, making sure also, or sorry, next up, we were going up the kinetic chain. We're at the knees. Knee valgus, which is just a fancy way of saying knee knocking. This is another one that goes oftentimes with toes out. Toes will turn out and knees will knock. There are people who have knee varus, which is where the knees fall out, but it's a much more common to have the knees knock. And usually that's because we've got over-tightened hip flexors, over-tightened calves, and weakened glutes from sitting all day. So knee knocking, remember knees have to stay in line with the second and third toe. When someone is in the bottom of the squat, we see either they're leaning forward too far or they're sitting up too tall. This is gonna be a little hard to visualize maybe without seeing it, but just know that at the bottom of your squat, your torso and your shins should look like a pair of railroad tracks. They're running directly parallel to each other. So if you're tipping too far forward or you're sitting too tall up, there's some muscle imbalance going on there. And then finally, common things to look for while you're filming yourself, shoulders elevating. So they're creeping up to your ears or rounding forward. Moving on to issues to look for in pushes and pulls. So things like push-ups and rows. The common issues that we often see occurring here at the, again, so things like the knee knock and the toe turn, we see those a lot pretty much in any position we're standing or hinging. We also see a lot of anterior or posterior pelvic tilt. Anterior is a little bit more common. That's where we get the sway and the low back. So the hips lift and the belly drop. And this usually, again, weakened glutes, tight hip flexors, weakened core. Elevated and rounded shoulders are really big, especially in rows. And that like I said, one of the biggest problems other than injury is that when we're moving with proper improper movement patterns, we're essentially wasting our time because we're not accessing the correct muscles. So if our shoulders are rolling forward while we're trying to row, again, it's kind of challenging to see without video, but we're not placing the work in the proper muscles. So we're just sort of continuing to lean. Basically, we're continuing to reinforce negative movement patterns. Wow, we got there, but I think you get the point. And lastly, head jutting forward. There are other common things too, and I'll talk about this in a second. I'm in the middle of a form series, and if you wanna hop on that, each of these is gonna get its own in-depth dive dropped into your inbox. So definitely hop on the link in the show notes for that. But head jutting forward is super duper common, both with push-ups and rows. So watching to see if your head is sticking out when you're doing this. And I would definitely recommend if you're only gonna do, like I said, I always ideally say filming from the front and from the side, but if you're like, I'm only gonna do one, Kinsey, film for, um, from the side on those pushes and pulls. Okay, hinging, so deadlifts. Common mistakes, I was talking about this, pretty much any time that we're standing, toes turning out and knees dumping center, that valgus, those are pretty darn common. Another really big one with hinge, and this is where a lot of people hurt their back when they do hinges, such as deadlifts, is they lead with their torso and not with the hips. So when you watch yourself from the side, your hips should be what initiate the movement. As they pull back, you start to feel a stretch in the butt and the hamstrings, but people who have never perhaps been taught proper form or felt what a proper deadlift feels like, 
they start the movement by dropping their torso and their hips they stacked on top of their knees as opposed to creating this number seven shape. So instead of accessing their booty and their hamstrings, they put all of the work in the low back. So this is a really important one to look for. Hinges are one of the ones that are performed the most incorrectly and they can be the most dangerous to perform incorrectly. So slow down, check your form, you'll thank me in the long run. Another really common one that hurts lower backs is that when people are doing deadlifts, their heart goes below their hips. We should never even necessarily come completely parallel with our chest. But the second that the heart goes below the hips on a deadlift, you're putting it all in that lower back. We've moved out of the glute and into that lumbar spine. And then finally, shoulders rounding forward. And a lot of times that just means we're not staying neutral in the spine or in those shoulder blades. So what'll happen is that we start to put a lot of weight into the upper body and can hurt again our back. So you can see, especially in something like a deadlift where form is so important for our safety. Plank, this one surprises people, but y'all, it is hard to do a plank right. There is almost no one, myself included, who has done a plank for the first time and nailed it. And that's okay because in what world do we do this outside of exercises? So some of the common mistakes here are, and these are just the most common, but there are plenty others, hips lifting or dropping. So when we're in a plank, we should be able to put a broomstick on our back and it should go from the back of our head, shoulders, hips, and heels without any lifts. When our hips drop, we're putting compression in the low back and letting go of the abs. When our hips lift, we're taking work out of the abs. We also, or, and another way to know this too is when you're checking from the side is to notice if your shoulders are stacked on your wrists, which is correct, or if your shoulders are behind your hands, which usually means your hips are lifting. Sometimes too, the shoulders will be a, like a little bit in front of the hands, which we also wanna sh make sure we're not doing because that can put a lot of compression on the wrist joint. Um, shoulders dump. So if you think of your shoulder blades squeezing together and dropping your heart, the shoulders dump in together, sort of collapse, or they're overly rounded. Um, looking at the knees, so with our head, where our eyes are tucking down, looking at our knees with this tucked chin shape, or looking straight ahead, both of those pull our cervical spine out of alignment. The cervical spine is the spine between the top of the shoulders and the base of the skull. Dumping into our wrists is a big one. So this is if you've taken a yoga class, you've probably heard this cue 9,000 times, but we should stay active in our hands. So in our hand lock, the palm of our hand should be slightly elevated because we're so engaged to the fingers. Because again, if we start to dump into the palm, we start to dump into the wrist. And the wrist isn't just one big old bone that takes our weight. It's eight little tiny bones that stack and slide across each other. So we don't wanna get funky in that compression. Uh, and that can lead to things eventually over time like carpal tunnel. Hands placement are either um, turned out. So I saw this a lot in CrossFit. People would have hands turned out or they'd be too far apart or too close together. And again, you want to think hands in line with shoulders. A lot of times when people have their hands turned out, it's because they have, um, they've told me in the past that it's because their wrists hurt. And oftentimes that's because they're when they're in their plank position, they're dumping into the palm. So if you need to support your plank for a little while while you're strengthening your hands, which one way to strengthen your hands is just through grip over time of carrying weights, but you can always bring it down to a forearm plank to run these checkpoints. So here's the deal. I told you this is the bare minimum and it's still a lot. And I totally don't, I hope this comes off as inspiring rather than overwhelming because you get to pick and choose what to pay attention to. I like to say start small, which 
again, though, the point is that I do believe if it's within your current means, it is so worth your time to work with a trainer for at least a few sessions to go over what your unique form quirks are and how to start correcting them. You really only need a, even like one or two sessions with a trainer to hear what they are. And then if you want strategies to implement to correct them, I would definitely recommend four to eight at the bare minimum. Totally worth it. We'll save you time. Hot dog or Hey, hey, hop on that interest list for the Strength Foundation for Women, which opens at the end of Feb. Plus, and here's the real kicker, for the next six weeks, I mentioned this a couple seconds ago, but you'll get emails delivered into your inbox, breaking down each of these top movement patterns with the roadmap to proper form, a detailed list of things to look out for, how to correct form, and so much more. And these are gonna be really excellent for serving as checklists so that you can save them in your inbox and come back to them over and over again when you revisit your form checks. So do yourself and your form and your body yada yada a favor and jump on that interest list. And in the meantime, film yourself, tell me how it goes, and please feel free to reach out with questions. I told you I love to talk about this. You can hit me up on the Insta DM at kinsey.does.the dot fitness and as always if you liked what you heard today and you got something out of it please 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 like review and share with a friend it means the absolute world to me and is the number one way to help me get the word out about the podcast so we can help more and more women start taking care of their bodies and their health once and for all because after all you and your bodies are so worth it happy safe exercising kinsey out